Good morning, Faith Fellowship. If you have your Bible, be turning to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Okay, so what we want to do is, remember, we started off the last time that I was with you guys on our introduction for 1 Samuel. And uh, remember, we we kind of just gave just an outline of the boundaries and the borders that we want to have as we kind of navigate this book. And some of those things that we have talked about is that there are interconnected stories throughout Samuel. And the first of them, you know, is this is going to highlight this conflict between Hannah and uh, Peninnah. And so the one thing is, is there's two other conflicts that we'll have, one with the priesthood and then obviously one between Saul and David. But in this first round, we are kind of looking at it again. This is just the boundaries of it, just so, you know, when you're looking at it and how you kind of keep yourself straight is going to be a conflict between righteous righteousness and evil. And remember now, thematically, though, for several chapters, the issue really is this. We're looking at the failure of the priesthood. So Samuel's birth is critical because this is kind of the Lord hitting a, a, a reset for Israel's heart nationally to get back to a good spiritual place. Up to this point, things are off. We're going to see that and just in terms of how Eli the priest Acts later on in chapter two, and just some of the things that uh, that is going on uh, from his household. But ultimately, this is a problem. And so the Lord is wanting to do something about it. Remember, last time we were together, we talked about the Lord isn't satisfied with these spiritual states that you end up in. And so he will very much do something about you moving forward. It's never uh, a situation where the Lord says, okay, obviously knows that we are, are desperate and destitute without him. And so what he sends his son to die on the cross, right? And gives you an opportunity to reconcile back to him through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And so with that concept, this is something that the Lord constantly has done with Israel throughout. And so Samuel is just one step in that, that process. The other thing that you're going to see is obviously in this book is with Samuel comes the introduction for Israel to have this monarchy. And then that's gonna obviously lay the foundation for King David, right? And so this is always uh, an important aspect of that as well. Now, what happens after David and even Solomon, you know, uh, not so good, but ultimately it gives the Lord humanity from the side of he's a part of um, royalty in that way, okay? And so this is uh, really, Again, just 50,000 foot view of that. Our focus this morning, though, is to look at Hannah's conflict. And the one thing, remember, we talked about last time is we, we want to, as growing leaders, we want the word of God to be our foundation. And so when you guys break out, there will just be a simple task of looking at from what we have learned today in God's word. How can I apply that to my life as a growing leader? What are the truths there that will help me in my leadership? Okay. And so that's ultimately going to be that. But first, we got to figure out what is the word of God saying just straight up here uh, in the text. And so let's read it and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, uh, chunk it and go from there. Okay. Now it says in, in verse one, now there was a certain man 
of uh, Rathaim, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one wife was Hannah, the name of the other was Peninnah, and Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters portions. Okay, so they've made this trip with him, and now he's given them portions so that they may worship as well. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and forget and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy uh, wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, Lord, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, but out of the abundance of my uh, complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went, woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early. And worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seem thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock. And brought the child to Eli, and she said, O oh my Lord, as the soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. 
Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Awesome. Okay, so you see what our, our narrative here is. We see the key players there. Elkanah, the husband, has these two wives. Now, again, there's a ton, just in terms of study that you could do, you should look up. What does the Lord think about having two wives at this point? Okay, I'm not going to spoil it for you. That's good homework for you to look at. <laughs> Maybe that's why you got a little drama in your house, brother. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that's, you know, a little bit of a challenge there. And then you see you have these two wives, and immediately it tells you Hannah's position had no children, right? And that Peninnah does have children. And you see that essentially there is a favoritism shown to Hannah by Elkanah. And this is something that kind of enrages Peninnah, right? So essentially what she does then is provoke her, you know, because she has something to hold over her head. Obviously in this culture, this would be something that um, is a big deal. And so being the fact that you could make an assumption that she's the first wife, uh, she's the one that's loved. And maybe uh, one of the things that um, uh, Pastor Briscoe had mentioned uh, for his LFBI class is that perhaps that getting Penny now was as a result of Hannah's barrenness. And so this would obviously just cause tension in the home, right? And so now you see that there's some issue there, but then you just see what it is and how Hannah responds, okay? And so her response gives great insight to us. There's a great deal that we can learn from that. But what we want to do is look at this conflict. And we are going to kind of hopscotch through this text because it's a lot of text, right? Uh, but we, there's some key things that we want to get out of there. And so we kind of have a simplified outline. And uh, did you guys get a picture of this here? Okay, this is just a simplified way of what, how we're going to break down this passage. So we got Hannah's barrenness. We'll see that from verses 1 through 8. Then we're going to see Hannah's prayer. We'll see that from 9 through 18. And then Hannah's blessing, verses 19 through 28. Okay, so that's how we're going to chunk this, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into it. So let's start first off here with Hannah's barrenness that we see from verses 1 through 8. And the one thing I want you to pay attention to in verse 3 is that She's barren for some time. We're seeing that Eli is going yearly to worship, okay? And so we're seeing that this is not something that probably he's doing this in addition to making sure that this portion is given to like also beseech the Lord, like, hey, can you resolve this matter in my home, right? And so we're seeing that this thing is kind of taking place for some time. And the one thing that we have to do here, just automatically, guys, is we got to take comfort in the fact that God is in control and knows where we're at. So sometimes a little bit we can have trouble and it can it can formulate an opinion that uh, that maybe the Lord is unaware of what it is that we're dealing with. Ecclesiastes 3.1 gives us great insight into just a right perspective to have. It says this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So what does that do for me when I'm in a, in a difficult time in my life or something that I desire and that thing hasn't yet been given? Well, this already automatically tells me to everything there is a season and to every 
uh, purpose under heaven, there, there's, there's something that the Lord is doing. See, the text doesn't mention anything in particular of, of any sin that Hannah has. So we don't need to jump to some conclusion that she had done something wrong. See, a lot of times trouble is not always a sign that sin is in play. It could just be that you're in a trial and you need to be desperate for the Lord. And can you just accept that? You know? See, God would use this barrenness to serve a greater purpose than anything Hannah could have imagined. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, this should be a praise that we should send to the Lord for this. Why? Because our troubles are never a surprise to The things that we deal with, the, the loss that we feel, the grief, the Though all of those, the Lord has dealt with all of that. If you just think and look at the, the relationship that he has with Israel, and even as a, as a husband, how he's felt lost with them, and then even has said, man, I wish that I could divorce you, but I, I can't. I love you. You've committed whoredoms, and yet here I am, right? And so we tend to not think of God in a, in a way that, he understands the context of our lives. Man, the way this is breaking her heart is not something that the Lord is rubbing his hands together in joy over. This would make this would have him upset in that way too. But then on the flip side, he would know, man, just wait. Just wait what's going to happen here. We see next here, that the enemy mocked her because even though she was barren, Elkanah still loved her more. And we see that from verses five through seven. And notice in particular in verse six, y'all, if you put your eye on it, it says, and her adversary also provoked her sore. It didn't even give Penina a name. It just called her the adversary. See, because Penina is a picture of the enemy himself. And boy, you could just, I mean, there's, we could have just done a sermon solely on that and just the devices of the devil, the way that he likes to kick you when you're down. This, I mean, this absolutely would have fit here. And so the thing is, in Luke 22, 31, believer, listen, you don't want to forget this. This is what the Lord says to Peter. And he says, the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Why? that he may sift you as wheat. See, the enemy doesn't, doesn't play fairly. Uh, he's not, he's relentless. He hates your guts because of the favor that you have with the Lord. And so essentially, when you have low spots, man, he loves to come and just beat you down even further. See, you got to remember something. The enemy hates your peace and will stop at nothing to destroy you. So you got to think about that. If the Lord is the one that gives you rest, gives you peace, boy, you know what you want to do is you want to draw close to the Lord in those times of trouble, when things are difficult, when you have a lack of understanding of the circumstances that you're in. This is something we're going to see Hannah do. Zechariah 3.1 says, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand. Why? To resist him. 
See, don't think for one moment just because you have done your verse a day that kept the devil away. No. He will be waiting for you. He's waiting to sow seeds of confusion in your mind, of doubt in your mind. He wants to get you separated from God's word. He loves to get you separated from the body, from leadership. And so when you see that happen and we withdraw, boy, that becomes a very dangerous place and, and ultimately a playground for the devil to be in. And so it's really critical as we just watch, what is Hannah doing there? How is she responding in these, in these times and these moments? And actually, let's just kind of look at it again, just so, just with that in mind. So in verse five, we see this favor. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord has shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked, provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And so he did, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. This, was, this is like an annual thing. Therefore she wept and did not eat. I mean... I love the honesty that the Bible just displays here and this bit of depression that sometimes the trouble that we face can cause you like physical issues, mental issues. And she knows obviously what she's going to do. She knows the power of the Lord. But in this matter, this is difficult. And so this is why I'm, I, I, my heart this morning is for you to just examine Whatever thing that potentially you could be in that's very difficult and you feel like you're by yourself and Lord, you haven't given me any peace in, man, just know that the Lord is, he knows, hears, he's seen it. It matters to him. Don't let the devil try to tell you otherwise. Never forget that the enemy is always ready to attack you. He's not going to wait till you're standing strong. Actually, he'll just do it anytime he feels like it. You have to be aware. You have an enemy. We see next in verse 8, this weeping, this not eating, just her countenance, I would imagine uh, she's wearing her sorrow. And her husband sees it. And the one thing, just take note of, is Elkanah's comfort is not enough. And that, you know, and that, that sometimes is true, whether we're talking of marriages or friendships or, you know, the comfort that you give. Now, I, I would challenge his line of questioning. And I, you know, if I was his leader, I would just say, hey, brother, <laughs> uh, maybe use some different examples and questions. <laughs> See, Paul gave us a better insight to just perhaps what Elkanah's approach would have been. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, To the weak became I as weak. Now, let's just listen. Before I finish that verse, let's just look at what Elkanah said. Why weepest thou? Bro, you don't know. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Why eatest thou not? Why is thou heart grieved? And you do know. Because of this last statement. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? Come on, man. This is how guys are. Clueless. I mean, what just clueless. 
I'm just, let me just say, I'm sorry for all the husbands in here, <laughs> to the wives, sisters, my daughters, uh, forgive us, okay? Grace, we need grace. We can be clueless. See, what he should have done is, as Paul said, to the weak became my <laughs> weak. Why? That I might gain the weak. That I might gain them. Isn't it interesting? You don't even see her respond to Elkin's questions. That I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men. Why? That I might by all means save some. It may have been better, and husbands, listen to me, it may be better for Elkanah to either have kept silent or just to weep with Hannah. I mean, sometimes there, there is something going on in the home so much and your wife is just in this place and there's a logical way that generally men look at problems. Problem, if there's a problem, there is a road to get out of said problem and let me tell you that. I've solved it. Be over it. Let's go. That's generally how we think, right? And that your wife will be ready to kill you <laughs> if when you talk to her like that. Now, listen, I will tell you this. There are absolutely some times, and wives, listen to me. There are absolutely some times the logic of your husband is absolutely correct. And you want to follow that in lockstep because the Lord has given him insight and wisdom in order to say at that moment, hey, this is what it is. Don't dwell here. He's trying to protect you because remember, you have an enemy that wants you to wallow around in those thoughts constantly. So you need to listen to, excuse me, the leading of your, of your husband, of your pastor, of your Bible study leader, discipleship. If they give you, man, it's biblical. You can back it up and you better follow it. That's coming straight from the Lord himself. Elkanah, though, on the other hand, <laughs> why weepest thou? Why aren't you eating? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than thee? Brother, this ain't even about you. Go sit down. See, instead, it was seen that his response is also in frustration of the situation. This is a way that sometimes men don't communicate that well, but he doesn't find any joy in watching his wife in this case. Remember, he loves her. And that saddens him that she's like that. So now he overcompensates. And what he wants in order for himself to feel good with his overcompensation is her response to be better. Right? This is how we are. This is why you get those flowers off and then you like still you like give them and they go, <laughs> you're like, oh no, what, what did I do? I can't do nothing about it. This is this is how we get there. Boy, we gotta talk a little better to the weak. He came out as weak. You don't have to have the answer all the time. It's okay. So out of this section, okay, we got a key point then we have to look at. Hannah's barrenness. The key point is this. Listen, listen to me very carefully. Fruitfulness is sad and should be what brings us to a place of brokenness. If we consider this barrenness on both sides, both physically and spiritually, it is no small thing to sniff at or laugh at. And it absolutely is something that needs to bring us to a place of brokenness. Why? Because that brokenness should give us a platform to the Lord. But take comfort. Listen, 
I may be physically incapable, spiritually, there is always opportunity. It may be that the Lord has said to you, hey, you won't have them physically, but boy, you can spend the rest of your life having them spiritually. And that, oh, that door is always open. As long as you walk with the Lord, as long as your foundation is in his word, as long as you will put yourself into the structure of the local church, man, you will have opportunity for fruit. John 15, 8 just says this, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. See, the Lord has equipped you and given you the ability to, man, be used of him in whatever way that he deems possible. And that could work out to all types of fruit. Fruit that you don't even understand these conversations, prayer for people, man, invest in the word of God, Bible study, discipleship, inviting people to church, sharing the gospel straight up. I mean, you, you have no idea what the Lord has planned for you, which is why well, if you don't have that kind of fruit, that should make you broken. That's not okay. It's not okay not to have spiritual children. Just as much as we grieve and we try to do everything we can when we can't have physical children, sometimes the same fervor we don't have in a spiritual sense. We should. The next section that we want to look at is Hannah's prayer. And as we said, we looked at what her husband tried to do in, in, the, in the way of comfort. And, uh, you know, we're not going to beat the man up. It's just, you know, he, he did kind of a normal male response. And so we can obviously see where we could handle that a little differently and we could become weak. But now let's look at what happens. Remember, I've been kind of alluding to is the fact that what Hannah isn't doing with this brokenness is just wallowing in it and just staying there. Notice what she does here, verses 9 and 10. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, get this, don't miss it, and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Don't miss that Hannah did not choose to retreat from the Lord, but rather she sought him out. See, a lot of times the trouble that we have sometimes has us, you know, get a wrong view of here. Often our emotions or wrong thinking can cause us to withdraw from God and his people. This is not something that Hannah did. See, the Lord will allow difficulty in your life in order for you sometimes to open up. Your vulnerability can be important in order for the body to step in and people be a blessing and get used. Remember, the Lord wants fruit out of them. So now it's like the Lord is a judo champion. He just knows how to move things in a way. And the next thing you know, that trouble in your life is on the floor looking up like, I don't know how I got down here. Right. <laughs> you know, and so. It's beautiful just to watch all the layers of what happens when you are having trouble and then how the body responds, how the word of God becomes a comfort. What happens to your own mind state, the way that now you are, you feel more connected. You actually have community when everything was good and we were side hugging and praise the Lord. And I'll see you next Sunday. It's different when things get real at home and that person is just sitting with you crying. They brought you food. There are no words between you. 
and you've never had more connection with that individual. And it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Guys, you got to be okay. Everything is not always going to be roses and apples. I know roses and apples. I could have used a bunch of different things. That's all I could think of right in the moment. <laughs> Those two things are very nice and they're very fragrant, right? Sometimes the Lord's going to allow you to have a broken heart, y'all. And he's not breaking your heart so that you can hold it against him. He's breaking so you can come to him. Her faith in God's ability made her bold. In verse 11, we see that and it says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. Again, with Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says this, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So what do we do with that? Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's why. That's why it matters that the Lord can relate to your pain. Because then when you come to him, the only one that can ever give you true comfort. Now, when you arise from that space with him and you just lay it at his feet, man, then you can carry on. Because you, why? You received his mercy, his grace. Maybe not relief from the situation, but you got his mercy, you got his grace. Her faith in God provided her with comfort. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. And so this leads us to our next key point. Brokenness should be a path to God, not a roadblock to his mercy. Brokenness should be a path to God, not a roadblock to his mercy. This is why you can't run away from him. It is, it is to your destruction if you do that. Run to him, not from him, not from his people, not from his, his leaders. Man, seek the counsel of the Lord. Your time in the word Man, often you're going through a difficult time and that time in the word, it can be tough because you're distracted mentally. You've read the same passage three or four times and you couldn't tell a one sentence in what you just read. But I'm telling you, show up, meet the Lord. Meet with the Lord. Listen, be desperate for God's comfort when you need it most. This is what we're watching out of this woman. It's an incredible journey that she's on. There's embarrassment and shame, and the enemy is kicking her while she's down. And the thing that she does is, is take all of that hurt 
to the Lord with boldness. It's incredible. Let your brokenness be a path for you. The next section is Hannah's blessing. <clears throat> that we see that from 19 through 28. So this is the rest of it. And so now, ah, this might be my favorite part. <laughs> her worship came before her blessing. Now, this is incredible. Because a lot of times, it's like, I will praise you. I was that kind of kid, you know. I like He-Man action figures. And when I remember one Christmas, I got them, and I was just like, Mom, I love you. It was so much joy because I got, you know, Hordak and He-Man and whatever characters were, <laughs> you know. There was the set. I'm now like a kid. This is, you know, just ignorant kid stuff. I'm professing my love now because I received something, not just because, Mama, I actually love you. Your pancakes still to this day fire, right, sir? Incredible. And so why can't I tell her that then? It's how we are, though. Listen, look at, look at what she does now. So, bitterness of soul, verse 10, prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vows this vow, verse 11, we see that. Then we go all the way down after this nice dialogue that she has with Eli. And Eli, even and as she checked with her, with the priest there, and the priest says, hey, man, go in peace. You got it. It's beautiful. She's in alignment with leadership. She's in alignment with the Lord. Guys, don't miss that. And then what happens? Verse 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. All in the same verse. But the thing that happened first, y'all, and here's the order. Get this down. I want y'all to write this down. Notice the order. Be desperate. Be prayerful. Then decide to worship before you have an answer. Be desperate. Be prayerful. Then decide to worship before you have an answer. And just watch how the Lord moves in your life. Psalms 5.3 says, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, listen, will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. What's that look up, boy? That's the expectation. When you look up to the Lord, you like, it's not like you trying to size him up. No, you like, I'm looking up because you're the one. That's the only reason I can lift my head. I just always imagine the Lord sometimes, even with me, right? When you get low and then he just lifts your head with his hand, just gently, you know? I love that. I love the, those moments when it is evident that the Lord is doing that. And he's like, son, hey, oh, look at me. It's okay. You're okay. I'm with you. I got you. Let's go. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt, y'all know how I feel about it, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, perhaps your brokenness 
will be the first time in a long time that you are truly crying out like, Lord, I need you to step into the situation. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. Listen, when things are going good, human nature is, is we kind of just leave the Lord by the wayside. So sometimes you need a trial to just remind you, I only have the Lord. I only have the Lord. And he is faithful to be there. He will meet me in that spot that I'm at. And he will answer me and he will lift my head. I shall find him. But listen, here's the, that's, it's the if though that's, that's troubling. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. So if I don't do that, do I find him? That's what I'm saying. The if is there. It's two letters. It's important. Now, something else. Maybe, no, this is my favorite part. <laughs> I love that, but then I love this too. She prepared her blessing to become an offering. Now, just, you know, let's just, I'm going to take a drink and let y'all marinate like chicken. That's going to be grilled later. She prepared her blessing to become an offering. Do you do that with your blessings? Or you just say, mine, like the He-Mans. Because mama didn't get to play with them. Because I was very busy. And I wasn't one of those kids. You know the kids that just crash them together. I'm like, something's wrong there. You have to move their arms and their legs individually. What's wrong with you? Stop, you know. <laughs> just look. I was, <laughs> you know, I was the... Uh, the little, uh, uh, what is that? Those things that fly in the, oh, the, the camera deals that we, everybody uses now. Drone, I was the drone, because I would pose them. And just... yeah. Me and Rashad, boy. <laughs> Weird kids. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, seriously. She prepared her blessing to become an offering. Listen, this is what I want you to do. If you've never done that, I want to challenge you. Use your blessings for his purpose. The thing you asked him for and he delivered on, you need to ask him, how can I use this for your glory? I'm grateful for it. Thank you. But now I want to give it back to you. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 is a great reminder. It says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. See, when you surrender your blessings to him, the way that he uses them, man, produces <laughs> these results. You're just like, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Maybe that car that you just got is so that somebody else can get to church. Not just you. Maybe the home you got is a place that Bible studies need to happen. That the gospel gets taught from that you get a chance to prepare 
your, your, your messages, that you get to counsel from that place. Man, use it. It's an inanimate object, but man, don't just heap it to yourself and just have this kid-like thing, mine. It's not yours. The Lord gave it to you. So surrender it to him. Your children, your marriages, your job. All of those things matter. As we come very close to the end there in, in verses 27 through 28, she followed through with what it is that she said. Let's look at those two verses there. It says, for this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. Now think about it. The Lord gave her this man child. She has this beautiful boy that she can raise and, and just love on and, and kind of just, you know, stick her tongue out to a penny nine and say, look, yeah, I got my, you don't tell me, <laughs> you know. No, that's not what she did. That's not what she did. This wasn't about a tit for tat. Uh, he's taller than your sons. Ha ha, you know. That's petty and worldly. We don't need to play those games. I don't suspect any of you in here are like that. But if you are a little petty, just don't be petty. <laughs> okay? Don't just, don't do it. Ecclesiastes 5.4. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Boy, those times when you just sit there in these moments of crisis, and then you're like, Lord, I promise, and I will be for you, and da 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 and then the Lord rescues you out of you like, the Lord, who is that? I'm busy doing what I want to do. Psalms 147, 10 through 11 says, he delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him in those that hope in his mercy. And at the end of the day, that's all Hannah knew that she had. Is perhaps if I just pour my heart out to the Lord, I come before him boldly and I perhaps he would give me that. And if he does, I'm going to make good on my part. And she did. So it's the last key point. God's grace and mercy toward you will always benefit more than you. Listen, let me say it again. God's grace and mercy toward you will always benefit more than you. There's something that the Lord intends to do with you by giving you his grace and mercy. We see this here in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Howbeit for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
you want to have a reference of God's grace and mercy. And listen, you may have gotten it in salvation, but you still need it for the other situations you face in life. You want to have that pattern. The struggles and difficulties that you guys face will very much be comfort to other people who may be going through the exact same thing. So how do you tell them how it is that you made it? It's got to start with God's grace and mercy. It ain't because you figured it out. That's to your glory. It has to be that ultimately you say, man, God moved in this situation. Let me tell you how it is that I got here. And it didn't destroy me. It drew me closer to him. I trusted in his word. I trusted in his leaders. And the Lord rescued me. So here it is. And then you get to walk with that person and there's that fruitfulness. See, the Lord is always looking to spin your story in a way that it works out for you. And it's beneficial. And it sure is interesting that you don't hear Penny Nod's name anymore. There's just something about when the believer just faithfully attends upon the Lord. Where's the devil now? Once the Lord shows up, the devil's got to get going. So see, what do we learn then? Three things this morning. Fruitlessness is awful and must be resolved by the Lord. Brokenness is a necessary heart attitude for dependence on God. And last thing, blessing from God should be surrendered. Blessings from God, excuse me, should be surrendered to God. And so here is now the, the space and place that we want to um, just have a, a moment of breakout. And here's, I just have one question for the group, okay? How can what we have learned help us as growing leaders? We've seen the text. We've seen what Hannah went through. We've seen how the Lord answered her prayer. And it's yet to more to that that we'll see in the next chapter. But ultimately, we have seen enough that it should have an impact on what our lives look like right now. And so this is where it's not just the preaching, but the practical side of it. Man, remember of those that you're like, well, I'm not a leader. Do you have children? Are you a Bible study leader? Are you a ministry leader? Are you a pastor? We only have one in here. <laughs> are you, what kind of leader are you? And how can this, these things that we've seen in God's word today help us as growing leaders? And so with our Bible studies, leaders, what we're going to do is when you guys break out in the groups, we're going to put you, you know, with them. And so could I have just a little traffic here of just the individuals, you know, um, my Bible study leaders just kind of spread out a little bit and then let's get in these groups and then just discuss this, that final question. We've seen what we learned, but now let's apply it. What's the application? Okay. With the time that we have left, uh, it'd be great. And maybe if we get enough time, we'll we'll see if there's anybody that has any um, 
tidbits of information if they wish to speak, but otherwise, let's just get in our groups. And uh, we'll go from there. Raise your hand so that the people know who our Bible study leaders are. Nathan Murray is one. Serene is one. Sarah's one. Deb is one. Pastor James, always. <laughs> Pastor James, you're just going to go with Nathan in case you need to step out. Okay. <clears throat> hey, fellas, you guys get with Nate. Okay. And then Rosie. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then that way you could, yep. Yep. Because you got Huh? What is it? I'm doing some steps. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't think I have. I don't think that that last question is on a slide. Hey, let me let me tell you what the one question was again. How is what we learned today? Okay, help us as growing leaders. How does what we learned today help us as growing leaders? Okay.